Welcome to another episode of Grind My Gears. I am Ashton Amdari. Thank you for joining me today. Today I got Coach PK Mills of Team Strong Athlete. But before we get to him, head over to AshtonAmdariMMA.com. Look at that. We got the muscle tees in. They look fine. I guarantee you will be three shades sexier if you buy one. If you <laughs> discount code Brown Privilege, 10% off. I want to say three shades sexier people go to the beach just to get this color so people have been complimenting me on how good my biceps look in that shirt and we don't even train biceps coach so that's how sexy <laughs> look if you buy that shirt so head on over to ashtonmdarmma.com and get yourself one discount code brown privilege also like this podcast and subscribe don't be one of those people who keep telling me oh i love what you're doing subscribe don't be a bum okay <laughs> <laughs> here we go now we're at pk mills coach pk uh i known him for forever we're like family now uh, yeah he's been working with me throughout my amateur professional career and one of the if not in my opinion the top strength coaches in the gta in the city in the province not only that your accolades go beyond coaching powerlifting champ in canada um welcome coach how are you doing thank you Thank you for having me, brother. I'm doing fine. Doing great. How are you? I'm okay. Get, doing well during this time. You know, we've talked about that before, how how uh, yeah. things have picked up. And I'm quite happy with how life is going, even though the world is uh, a little bit of a shitstorm right now. A little crazy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, before we uh, get started, I just wanted to um, let people know more about um, – strong athlete like what you guys do and how great you guys are uh, uh have been doing since like um i know that um the pandemic has hit fitness hard so how has um business been in terms of just keeping up and, and staying afloat yeah i mean the the fitness industry was uh was hit pretty hard from uh you know the effects of covid and the lockdowns and the restrictions and uh you know it was really challenging the past uh, year and a half now we've been blessed we've been really really grateful where where we are uh, we've partnered with a uh, rehab clinic called the movement lab and uh you know the guys there the guys and gals there uh, they're like family to us yeah. and um they're also essential services right so um, we benefited from the fact that they were essential services and uh, we were able to operate um, with a combination of online work and some some in-person stuff one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And so we're, you know, we're, we're really grateful for that. Yeah, really lucky that way. It's a blessing because not a lot of people had that during the Yeah. Summer. Even yeah. they would try to find ways around it. And right. there's, I mean, you could take the fines, but it, it's not something you want to deal with while having a business that's um going not doing so well like if you, yeah that's there's another stressor that you don't you don't yeah, want to yeah, add right i mean like 90 percent of those tickets were get thrown out anyway but it's not something that a lot of people wanted to take on on top of no to find everything else that they faced now yeah forget all that crap i don't want to talk to you about that because <laughs> you have more knowledge than all that that's that stuff's irrelevant to to how uh, blessed we are to talk to you today. The one thing I wanted to start off with is long ago when I was an amateur athlete, I came to you and I I, um, I showed you, we you know, we watched like countdown shows and stuff like that of the UFC yeah. and even other athletes. And you see all these crazy shit they're doing, battle ropes, sleds, all this extreme awesome stuff. And I'm like, yeah, coach, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And you know, you sat me down, you're like, Ashton, if you want to be a great athlete, you have to do three things really well. You have to squat, you have to press, and you have to deadlift. If you can't do any of those things, all that other shit that you want to do is completely out of the picture. Uh, do you still hold that philosophy today in terms of your, your training style, even though like um, strength training and everything is so dynamic in terms of this evolution uh, every you know four or five years new techniques come out do you still hold that same belief in terms of training no that's a great question and i should put some context around that um i strongly believe that those movement patterns 
the movement pattern of a squat or a press or a pull for, you know, which is very, you know, you could call that a deadlift, yeah. uh, a pull. Um, I, I strongly believe being proficient at those movement patterns will make you a better athlete. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean everybody should be powerlifting yeah. or that powerlifting will make you a better athlete. As a matter of fact, most people should not be doing that. Yes, yeah, so but most athletes should be very proficient at all the very the different variations of a squat and the different tools that you would use to do that squat. So that includes your body weight, that includes a barbell, that includes a dumbbell, a kettlebell, a sandbag, a machine in certain situations. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're proficient at single leg and double leg, I should also add. And you should be proficient at those movement patterns at different speeds. So for an athlete, and in most sports, speed is a prerequisite. Speed yeah. is extremely important. Speed, explosiveness. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And so being able to express strength quickly through a jump squat or a power clean or a push press will have transfer to an athlete in most sports. Yes. Now, so that's at, at fast speeds. The athlete should also be very proficient at those movements at slower speeds. So why is that important? That's showing that the athlete has the stability and the control to move a heavy load across a range of motion safely and, um, and can express that strength with control. So I think the movement patterns are more important than the actual, um, type of squat that someone is doing yeah. but I think or type of press or type of pull but I, I I do maintain that those movements are are fundamental and should be like the basis of an athletic training program now, that do doesn't mean that that's the only thing you do yeah. but those are that's like you know the meat and potatoes yes now do you think that um also too that those movements in my opinion those movements are fundamental for injury prevention as well yes exactly and so that 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 aligns with being able to move um, proficiently at high speeds and at slow speeds. And to have that control and stability, that's going to provide resilience to that athlete. That's going to bulletproof that athlete. That's going to make that athlete less uh, injury prone. Yeah. And, and I think one of the bigger takeaways from my career so far is that if you remember when I tore my ACL, yeah, I was doing that rehab, we very quickly found out I didn't really know how to squat before. And it was because uh, I had very weak glutes. They weren't active. And I, we only found that out because I went through the surgery. And right. part of the rehab was, you know, you got to do glute raise. And I'm yeah. struggling doing single leg glute raises and hamstring and all these things in the posterior chain. Now, do you find that, um, like, you know, like deadlifts and, and squats, really strengthen that posterior chain. Do you think that that's a biggest weakness in terms of most athletes that, that walk through your door and, and that compete in general? Yeah. yeah um, in your particular case, you had these tremendous quads, super strong quads, and you still do. And, and that, um, that created at the time a bit of an imbalance between your, you know, your anterior chain and your posterior chain. And so, the injury in hindsight was actually a blessing because it, yeah. it, 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 it um, made apparent that we need to Address. really focus on, you know, the posterior chain. Now with the athletes that come in, we get, we get a range of situations, right? You get people who are, are more dominant in their posterior chain and they need to strengthen their quads. Yeah. And if they don't, if they fail to do that, they're looking at potential knee injury as well. Right. So across the board, you're going to get, you're going to get different situations, but more often than not, you'll get people who are stronger in the front than they are in the back. Yeah. Basically, their their interior chain is uh, more stronger, is stronger or more dominant than would their posterior that, chain. Would you say that's genetic, or is it just um, from everyday life? Of you know, most people sit right. Yeah. Uh, that's that, that's a great question. I think I think it's a combination. I think you, you know you're going to have genetic variances, but you're also going to have lifestyle and. Yeah. I've said this to uh, to coaches and in conversation. The vast majority of us, including the athletic population, 
it is a sedentary population. Yeah, 100%. Like where I'm sitting right, right now, right? We, we sit most of the time. Even high-level athletes who may train an hour or two a day, the rest of the time, most of those people are sitting, right? And, and that creates a whole host of, of, um, of issues and leads to dysfunction, including, as you said, uh, weak glutes or glutes that are not, act, not turned on, not activated, um, issues with the core. Um, issues with posture, right? So sitting uh, has, has caused a lot of issues for well, that's for um, the modern population. One of the first, like a lot of people, especially like non-athletes that I work with, and I'm sure with you, one of the common things that they tell me is they, they always have lower back pain. And right. Before I even um, go into the meat and potato lifts, like those deadlifts and the squats, I tend to address um, stretching of the hamstrings and glute strengthening first, and it seems to resolve those issues before, like within a week or two. Just right. Starting that with uh, with somebody over, you know, hey, yeah, just squat. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like one of the biggest things is, like you said, a sedentary population is the that hamstring tightness because yes, it almost. It's counteractive, like the way you like it looks. But when you're sitting it and you're walking, the hamstrings technically in flexion, right? Is it flexion? Uh, when you're walking, you're getting hip extension. Extension through yeah. through, through walking, yeah. 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 So it's it's almost like um, like if you're sitting all the time, that means that you're in flexion the whole time. Yes, the exactly. Is the opposite of what you would think. Like if you're sitting, your quads are not in flexion, right? So right that posterior chain gets tight because it's in flexion if you're sitting most of the time right yes and and, and compounded what compounds that is your hip flexors yes stay in that in that shortened state um, for a prolonged period of time from sitting right which also contributes to that low back pain that a lot of your clients and a lot of my clients experience yeah 100 percent. so like my biggest advice to anybody who has low back pain is always stretch your hamstrings first and do a bunch mm-hmm. of raises and you'll see a huge change as well as um how important uh it was something that you introduced to me and i've kind of gravitated and use it fully now um uh you know the shoulder band work just using shoulder band work to improve that posture and it also alleviated a lot of my shoulder and lower back tension injuries that right accumulated from jujitsu now i know you do it with me all the time i use it all the time with my clients how important like is that something that's a staple when you work with people? That's a staple with, I'm going to confidently say 100% of our clients, we, we do band work and, and um, work to, postural work. So, you know, one of the issues that, that sitting and being sedentary causes is this interior rotation of, of the shoulders, right? You see people. Your typical person on on their phone scrolling through whatever they're scrolling. I think through. there's a diagnosis, flamingo neck, they call it. Yeah, that's right. A co- coach G has 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 coined the term flamingo <laughs> neck, right? And uh, it's so appropriate because you know you can picture it. That person hunched over, head down, um, scrolling through their phone at whatever they're 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 watching, and yeah. staying in the, that position for an extended period of time. That can that can lead to dysfunction down the road, especially if it's not addressed with. These postural exercises, these band pull-aparts, these rope pulls to the face, these types of things. And one of the things that um, for anyone listening that you can do, instead of like making it part of your workout, what we've done is, for like the last 10 years is made it part of warm-up. So you're, yeah. not, you're not doing four, five, six sets and sitting there doing all this band work. You warm up with it. So if you're warming up with it every day, you're at, you're right. getting two or three sets. By the end of the week, you got 10 plus sets in yeah. without even trying, right? Right. And without fatiguing your shoulders too much to actually impact your strength training routine, right? Exactly. So that's something people can use to, through their warm-ups or even cool-downs, but I, I would anticipate being warm-up being better. Uh, I know a lot of fighter athletes use this band work before because uh, what it actually helps do is um, keep your hands up. Right. There's the old school method of, uh, you know, punching with dumbbells and stuff like that. But what I found personally and some of the other people I work with, it over fatigues the muscle. If you're uh, going into dynamic training, like sparring or pad work and something like that, the band work 
gives enough stimulation where you get the blood flow and the activation, but not fatiguing it so that you go into pad work or you go into sparring or classes and you know all your shoulders start dropping because you're you're, you're over fatigued from yeah those old school methods, right? Not right. to put them yeah. down. There's there's methods that there's value to those two as well, right? Right, right. No, I re- I like that approach. I like and it, for the fighters, I would even you know I'd be I'd advocate prior to the workout as as you said part of the warm up. I think that's the most important time, and uh, as part of a reset after the workout, especially if you've done. Um, a lot of bag work, a lot of um, boxing, jujitsu, especially because of the the mm. wrenching on the joints, right? Yes, yes. So that, that that before and after, I think, would be a a smart approach. Smart approach. So the other, you work with so many different athletes and clients over the years, um, from regular folk looking to just uh, get in shape, lose body fat, etc., and then from athletes, from people like me who compete at the professional level. Uh, hockey players at the professional level, you have the end, and one of your biggest clientele is uh, fitness competitions. So athletes right. who do fitness competitions, uh, like what is it like working with um, such a vast array of athletes in terms of a coach? Uh, how difficult is it to like keep up with uh, the training and stuff like that? And in your opinion, straight up, what is the most one of the what are the most challenging? Sports after like you get to work with so many people, you get to see the training goes behind it. So, what is the most challenging sport that you see walk through your door in terms of difficulty? Yeah, yeah. So, answer the first question as far as you know, you know, what's it like coaching these different athletes? It, it's it's amazing. It's a it's like a dream come true. You know, when both of us were, you still are a professional athlete. I was. Uh, an amateur athlete we were we've been athletes for the majority of our lives yeah and to be able to extend that through coaching is is a blessing and a privilege and to be able to work with different types of athletes um, keeps your mind sharp yeah. keeps the the you know the whole craft of coaching exciting you know every every day you're looking forward to working with different types of people and um you know, it also keeps you sharp because you've got to constantly be learning and yeah. constantly be staying up to date with um, changes in training, changes in nutrition, changes in supplementation. How, how, however, the sport is evolving, yeah. you've got to, you know, how, how, do do you, your, how do you approach that? Do you, um, I mean, like there's online education and stuff like that, but how would, mm-hmm. how do you approach like getting that education? Is it more like, consulting with other coaches in the field or is it more like going out there and, and finding out for yourself yeah it, it's really a combination so it's you know i'll do i'll do formal certifications and i'll and i'll continue doing those i'm doing one one right now through um cornell university on nutrition and i do it not not just you know because i've done a bunch of nutrition certifications in the past but i do it just to just to stay sharp and to always be in that um, beginner mindset, that that white belt mindset, as, yeah. as as you've said, right? And so I do that. Also, also I really enjoy it. I just love, you know, I get geeked out learning about new training techniques or new new nutrition, uh, new advances in nutrition. Yeah. And so, you know, certifications are a part of it. Consulting with other coaches is huge, and I'm um, extremely blessed that my business partner. Coach G is a wealth of knowledge. And so I'll talk, you know, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to Coach Oscar. I'll talk to yourself. I'll talk to um, other peers and just talk shop because number one, it's fun. Yeah. And I'm all, you know, I'll always pick up something, right? Yes, 100%. And so, especially when I'm talking to people who are, who are as excited about the craft of coaching as I am. Um, and it's fun to, to bounce ideas off, off those folks. Um, and then wherever I can learn through YouTube, through which is a huge resource. I think it's the most valuable um, oh, yeah. social platform out there, right? You told me that a while ago. It's yeah, you can, you can learn anything from there. Yeah. You, know, you, have to, you have to filter and you have to find out what's good and what's not good. But there's a lot of really, really valuable information on YouTube. So I'll, I'll use that as a, as a resource. Um, podcasting is huge for me because I, I, I commute um, to and from work. And so I'll, I'll throw on 
various podcasts to stay up to date with. Oh, well, that's where I learned a lot of stuff from, from podcasting because the same thing as you said, that time in your day, you're like, okay, well, I can't sit down and read. I can't sit down and do this because right. uh, podcasting and, and just listening to other people talk about these things while Definitely. you're on your way to other things helps with the learning ex- learning curves. Definitely. Yeah, and it's, you know, to answer question two, the most challenging sports without question are your sport, mixed martial arts, and CrossFit. And and I say both of those sports because they are multidisciplinary sports. You have to be good at so many different qualities. And 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 the, the polar opposite to that is the sport that I competed in most recently, powerlifting, where it's it's this single mode where uh, you know expressing maximum strength. Strength, yeah. Right? Like you need some mobility. Yes, um, but you don't need all the other qualities that a UFC fighter or a high-level CrossFitter needs. Yeah. And and you know you need you need strength, you need speed, you need cardiovascular conditioning, anaerobic conditioning. You need uh, very high levels of mobility. You need um, there's lots of skills that you have to practice yeah. to be good at your craft. So there's just so many things to be good at. And and CrossFit is very similar in that regard because there's so many skills that you have and, to be proficient and I, at. And I'll be the first to admit I had a very um, negative view on it before CrossFit, not because right. I didn't respect the athletes, because I just it was I was like you know the whole thing oh it's competitive exercise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but one of the things I, like I still enjoy the memes and it's funny, right? Yeah, um, for sure. But one of the things that I've kind of developed over and this is just maturity as a as a coach too and as a person and an athlete is that you know when you go through some of those workouts that you you would put me through or I would do on my own where you're do, you're almost like doing this crossfit thing you're almost right. like going through this circuit that they would similarly go through at one of the trials or right. the regional competitions and then when I sit back and I'm like fuck that was a hard workout mm-hmm. and I'm like wait a minute those guys are doing it with 10 times as much weight at 10 times as much more intensity with way more events and lifts in there. Right. right. So I, I started to gain respect from it when, you know, we get into those deep fight camps, those last three, four weeks and you, I would do a workout and a hard circuit. And then I was like, wait a minute, there are athletes that do this for a living. Yeah. <laughs> way worse. I'm like, okay, screw right. that. <laughs> So that, I mean, so if I know that there's that stigma around CrossFit out there, and I, w- I w- I'll be the first to admit I was on the bandwagon of like, yeah, yeah, screw that, and yeah, um, and I've I've shifted my mindset in terms of my respect for those athletes too, because uh, especially the rep- the amount of repetitions they do, it's very yeah. taxing on the joints, and and it's probably why I like it's easy to for other sports and other athletes and other coaches to, to say, oh yeah, if you do CrossFit, you're going to get lots of overuse injuries. But then I right. sit back and I'm like, well, how is jujitsu any different? Right. And, and, and many sports in that regard, right? Yeah. Like, like even, even golf, you know, another single mo. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. a great example, right? Golf, golf, for example, how many back injuries have, re- have, have resulted in I've, I've like um, a lot of golf swings, do, a lot of clients who do golfing and they always come with side pain, hip pain and elbows, right? Right. It, right. It's from the repetitive motion. Right. Exactly. So, so, I mean, like, it's fun to make fun of it, like, Oh yeah, if you do CrossFit, get ready for the chiropractors and the <laughs> physiotherapist. But it's, and then when you sit back and you actually critically think about it, well, doing jujitsu is the same shit. You're just destroying your spine in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And so I can be very critical of a lot of aspects of CrossFit and we've had, we've had great conversations because they're, they're, they have done so many things really, really well and made huge contributions to, to, um, to fitness in general, in general yeah. but, but there, are, there are some things that need to be improved. Like, you know, some of the, some of the coaching practices, some of the ways of teaching, um, the the idea that everybody should be able to do certain Please. movements when yeah when some people just have no business doing that yeah. right well it's funny you should say that I'm not gonna call up I'm not gonna say them by name but I have family members right and like mm-hmm. I'm genetically brown okay it's it's quite yeah. 
right? <laughs> Brown people don't have the best fitness genetics. I hate to admit, like, this is something we have to admit, guys. We are designed for not athletic things. So I have these people in my family who, you know, they gravitated towards CrossFit because maybe they live in a smaller town and that's what they had available. And they gave yeah. the community and their exercising. That's great. Right. But my issue with it is when I look at this person, you are not prepared for cleans. You shouldn't be no. cleans yet. But it's no. because it's part of like that, um, the programming that goes on. Uh, yes. And then I can see it having future implications. But at the same Absolutely. time, I have a hard time being too mad at it because it's better than them doing nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that, that's the, that's the dilemma, right? It's like, okay, this person's doing cleans. They're going to, uh, in time, they're going to jack up their wrists, their shoulders. They could injure their back, um, which are, which are major issues. Yeah. And at the same time, there's this amazing camaraderie and community that exists in so many CrossFit gyms, which, which provides accountability for that person. That person's going to stick with their program. They're, they're very likely going to, if, if weight loss is the goal, they're going to lose some weight. They're going to feel better. So there's so many positives, right? Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, improving some of the coaching practices and some of the, um, you know, the, the, cookie cutter approaches that some CrossFit coaches take. Yes. A hundred percent. Well, I wanted to circle back to the, when you were talking about, um, uh, just re-educationing yourself and getting more education mm. and, and consulting. Because yeah. The other thing I wanted to add to that, and if I wanted to see if you agree is by increasing your education and consulting with other coaches and, and to, it also not only, um, increases your knowledge but as an entrepreneur and as a business person it adds another tool to your business that you can give to your clients and attract more business am i not correct big time big time yeah one of one of um i've got three three mentors um two two have passed away and one one is still still kicking um and they they all they're all named charles <laughs> So we have uh, Charles Poliquin, who, yeah. is, who uh, passed away a few years ago, one of the most famous uh, strength and conditioning coaches. Um, we have Charlie Francis, who also passed away, uh, unfortunately, to cancer, who was a legendary track and field coach. And uh, still alive and, and doing well, we have Charles Glass, who is a bodybuilding, premier bodybuilding coach based out of California. Um, Charles Poliquin in particular and Charles Glass in a separate conversation, basically this said to earn more, you need to learn more. Yes. Right. And so that's a, that's a truth that I've experienced and you've experienced and many coaches uh, have also experienced that if you, if you dedicate yourself to your craft and you're continually learning and improving upon your own, your base of knowledge, that's going to make you a more valuable coach. And that will, that will lead to better, greater business, more business. Do you think that that's what hurts some other, um, I would call them trainers, because I don't think coach, you don't become a coach until, like I I, we, I did this with the podcast uh, with Corey Fernandez. I don't know if you heard, but he said something really good is like, a trainer trains you in fitness, but a coach transforms your life, right? Right. Do you think that trainers, people who are getting started in the business or during this pandemic time, especially, have kind of let a valuable opportunity kind of slide by where they didn't use time that was a gift. Cause like when the world reopens and you're back in there working with clients, time is limited, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're not going to be able to sit down and, and learn so much when you're, you know, pulling eight hour days and you know, you know, this business, sometimes you're pulling more than eight hour days just to get everybody in. Right. Um, how important is it for someone who's beginner to, to kind of adopt that mentality? Oh, it's crucial. It's 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 prob probably the most important thing you can do at at that uh, early stage of your career. Yeah, the money is not as important when you're when you're just starting out as the learning and the learning opportunities. Yeah, right. the um, The money will come in time, but. It will only come if you dedicate yourself to your craft and you learn as much as possible and you, you're like a sponge sourcing knowledge from 
fellow coaches, from uh, formal schooling, from certifications, from uh, social media, from wherever you can source that knowledge from, you you need to you need to absorb as much as you can. You need to be obsessed about learning, and then that will ultimately transfer. Do you think like when someone's in a big club, like working for a big club, that kind of gets thrown out the window because of the nature of business in a, a big club setting? It, it can. And, and um, you know, so I, when someone, uh, a young coach, a beginning coach approaches me and asks me for advice as far as how they get into the game, yeah. um, I would never discourage them from going to the big box gyms because you get you can get your reps in yeah more easily than if you just said okay i'm gonna pull some money together and open up my my own place and wait for people to come in right at least when you're at a la so-and-so or a good life right you 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 have very often clients coming to you right and so you can they feed you clients and so that's a valuable opportunity to get your reps in and to get your or to hone your craft on the gym floor. Yeah. However, you should also be using that opportunity to learn and to to acquire as much knowledge as possible. And it, it, very often, the those those big box clubs will will support your education through, you know, organizations like CanFit Pro. Or, or others, yeah, yeah. or subsidize your, your education. So take advantage of all of that. And then when you're ready to make a move to go on your own, make the move. you're in a better position to do that, right? Exactly. Now, the other, like we've done so much strength training um, throughout the years, uh, different methods, obviously. Yeah. There's tons. Uh, we have different styles in terms of, you know, you have, you know, hit, overload, uh, using negative sets. Uh, yep. What is your absolute favorite method in terms of styles of strength training for transforming athletes and transforming people's bodies, like the general population and athletes? Like, what is the go to that will apply for everything that you like to use for them? Yeah, that's, not, that's a great question. My, my favorite strength training method, um, I would say, is the every minute on the minute every minute on the minute or imam method i hate that one and, <laughs> <laughs> and that has broad application to general population as well as the athletic population and depending on how you choose the reps and how you sequence the exercises you can build strength you can build muscle you can build anaerobic capacity so it it um it's very a very versatile method yeah and so i really i really enjoy that like when it's also getting, sorry continue it, yeah sorry it's also beneficial for um your more analytical lifters yeah. who tend to get into their head where when you're doing an imam method and for those who don't know it's you're doing an exercise for uh let's say it's five reps that five reps could take 15 to 20 seconds. Then for the duration of that minute, call it 45 to 40, 40 to 45 seconds, you're resting and then you're going again. And you're going to do that for 10, 12, maybe even 15 sets with that exercise. And there's no time to really get into your head and think about the next thing. You have to just complete the set, rack the bar, catch your breath and it's time to go again. Yes. And so you get really good at executing and turning off the mind and just focusing on being, being very, very present uh, in, with the exercise and being really connected. And so I, I like it for those reasons as well. For, for that method, is it important to use a lower rep count or? It- yeah, you, you, you can, you can. Um, now, if you're, if you're training to improve, uh, anaerobic capacity or even um conditioning and it's like more of a metabolic approach yeah then the reps would would skew a little higher and so it might take closer to 30 maybe even 40 seconds to complete a set 
with 20 to 30 seconds rest. So like and that's incomplete rest. So like incomplete rest. Yeah. So I would, I would use that for someone like yourself who, who, um, you know, the demands, the metabolic demands are so extremely high that you need that level of conditioning in the cage. And, uh, for, for those who, who are not very familiar with using this method or like, I know we, you use intervals. So like sometimes people use 20 seconds on 20 seconds off, like your work rest ratio is even. So what I, what I tend to encourage with, uh, I like, I love this method. I hate this method and I love this method. I love this method (laughs) to use. I hate the method to do. Right. But when I start out, like when I'm my fitness or base level is low, like, you know, when we start camp, like a, like uh, a few months ago, we did that step up test and, and it was, right. to me it felt like shit, right? When you start right. out, I always like to start with a lower work and then a higher rest. And then yes. as I progress through the weeks and the months, I get to the incomplete rest point where I'm working for 40 seconds and then resting for 20 and then working for 40 seconds. So it's almost very similar to using intervals, but you use it in the, in the 60 seconds set. Yes. You yeah. You, you're absolutely right. It, 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 it is a form of interval training where we're just the, the minute is the, the, the Basically. unit of time. Yeah. That, yeah exactly. It change, so we're, right? right. Everything is based on that, on that minute. Now, do you find like, um, speaking of just intervals, do you find like if someone's doing something for more than a minute, is it useful? Because I find that um, it's very inapplicable at that point, even for for explosive sports. Like if I was doing, so let's pick the simple air airdyne bike, and I was pedaling as hard as I can, or if I was pedaling for over a minute, either I'm a super fucking athlete and I'm on some steroids, or um, I'm not working hard enough in that time like do you find like if you cross over that minute where you're trying to work an athlete over that minute it, there's some diminishing returns at that point or yeah well it, it, the the short answer is it it depends yeah. you know someone a high level athlete like yourself i could i could extend to to that length of time i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily do that often but yeah. i could go that far but for the majority of people I might keep my my interval length to you know fifteen to thirty seconds, yeah. and then we may be looking at uh, equal or more rest. Like maybe it's a two to one rest to work ratio, or it's a one to one rest to work ratio. When like, and also when we're talking about this method of training, if you look at some of the other, uh, I would say big box gyms like. Uh, I always pick on them because it's right outside my door. There's one right downstairs for me. Right. Orange Theory. Um, when they do, they always advertise high intensity interval training and methods like you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But when you go and you watch them work out, they're not actually doing it. You know what? I, you understand what I'm saying? It's a, it's a it's more of a media marketing tool to attract yes. people in than to actually doing it. Because like I look at some of those gyms and they're advertising we're doing hit training. Well, it's a buzzword now. If you're doing HIT training for more than, in my opinion, 15 minutes, you're not really doing HIT training. No. Right? Because the whole point of it, of the every minute on the minute and those intervals, is to really tax your body in a short amount of time. But if you're now working out for 45 minutes doing HIT, you're not really doing high intensity because your heart rate has to level off at some point. And if it's staying, like, in the 130, 140 zone, because you're extending it for this long period of time, it's not high intensity, right? Right. Yeah, you're right. It's a it's a term. It's a marketing term. It's a buzzword uh, hit, um, and and a lot of businesses are built around that yeah. that that term. And you know, they use stations, they use intervals, and yes, you know that that approach has some value, but it's not true high intensity interval training, high intensity interval training um, usually involves a five to one rest to work ratio. So you would do something for 20 seconds and you would take 100 seconds to recover Yeah. in that, in the, so it's like a two minute bout of, of, of um, work and rest, right? 20 seconds on 100 seconds off. In that 20 seconds, whether it's an airdyne bike or a sprint 
um, you're really going at 100% of your capacity or attempting to do that. Now, you need that amount of rest to be able to, to produce the same quality a second, third, fourth, and possibly fifth time. Yeah. You can't do that for half an hour. No. You can't do that for an hour. It's, you know, it's, it's impossible, right? So what those companies are doing is it's a form of interval training, but it's not, it's not by enough. definition, high intensity. And I think it's important for people to know that because not I'm not discouraging people from doing those gyms or going there, but it, don't for one second thinking you're getting one thing and you're getting another, right? right. I, I, I think it's important is for the education aspect to know exactly what you're getting because it's important, especially for, like you said, the psyche, right? If, right? if you think you're getting one thing and then the other, and then maybe you decide to go with your friend to a gym that actually does do it, and, right. then, and then you're like, oh, shit. You know, yes. and then it, not only does it discredit the gym that you were at before, but it kind of it puts a black cloud over the industry. Like, hey, they've been lying to me. I mm. thought I was getting one form of exercise, but I wasn't really getting it. And then right. it, it gives a bad perception to those of us who do do work here, right? Yeah. Uh, moving on. I When I started training with you, one of the things that – um you brought to my attention was you know we spend an hour in the gym together right it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a minimal amount of time per week an hour maybe two hours if we're doing two sessions or whatever but a lot of the work is done outside of the gym meaning that you've always been a proponent of a full health approach so like when you're training you train for an hour but you have to eat right. You have to sleep right. You have to reduce your stress. You have to do things, get hobbies that make you um, reduce, like this whole body system approach. Like, is that something that you started out with and just kind of always had? Or is it something that you kind of developed over time because you noticed that that was really what made the improvements? Yeah, that's a great, great question. That, so that is something I developed over time. I didn't, I didn't have that right away. What I, what I did have was a love for sport, a love for athletics, and that was followed by a love for strength training because I saw how strength training would improve my ability as an athlete. And then I started to embrace the nutrition next when I saw how nutrition would impact my body composition. Yeah. I could get bigger or leaner through manipulating my my food manipulating my nutrition and once i discovered that then that opened up a whole new world and i started to learn much more about that and then over time i learned how uh recovery yeah sleep number one and other recovery modalities such as massage foam rolling contrast showers uh, heat sauna um, these types of things could contribute to better performance. And so then I started to add those ideas into the, into the toolkit. And then uh, lastly, and more recently, I learned how various stressors can impact performance, yeah. whether they be physical stressors or psychological stressors, and how managing those things can ultimately produce better performance and lead to um, creating a better athlete. Well, one of the things I took from you, I, I use it with my clients, is I never used to do it before, but I noticed like every time I came into the gym, you'd, oh, the first thing you'd always, how are you doing? Yeah. Right? And I started doing it too because it helped me play off of somebody's emotions. Like, for example, I mean, uh, Mike Dolce said this too uh, in one of his podcasts where like an athlete or somebody comes to you, but they might have just been in traffic for an hour. Or right, might have been had a stressful work day, right? So to compound their training, like say you as a coach had a plan to to, to run them into the ground that day, because that was the day that you guys do the high intensity, and the other days was where you do the. Um, so I find like the, the more important part is like somebody comes to you with that stressor on you, as a coach and as a trainer, it's it's almost you're doing a negative to that person. By yes. putting them through incredibly stressful workout. Yes. Yes. And, and 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 that's also that's also uh, it depends situation. So yeah. I'll use I'll use you as a, 
as a great example, high level uh, athlete who needs to be good at multiple skills, multiple disciplines. Yeah. And then I'll use a Bay Street executive who, you know, type A personality wants to get better. Maybe the goals are, are body composition and general health. Okay. So both of those people live at Young and Eglinton, where you live. Yeah. And they're coming to see me in the afternoon navigating rush hour. You've got a fight coming up in eight weeks. Yes. You get to me and you say, I don't feel that great. And I say, okay, are you injured? No. <laughs> and so, no, you're not injured. Are you ill? Like food poisoning or the flu or something like that? Yes. No, you don't have that. Okay. You're a little tired. Well, we're still going to do the workout because the stakes are much higher for you than they are for that Bay Street executive. So we gotta, we still got to push forward, yeah. right? Now, if you said my knee was bothering me or something's going on with my shoulder, well, 100%, we've got to make adjustments, right? Yeah. Now, in contrast, the Bay Street executive comes to see me. He's tired or she's tired. I may make different adjustments there because they don't need necessarily that additional stressor. They don't have a fight coming up in eight weeks. They're training for life. They're training for health. So I may reduce the volume. I may change exercises. I may go in a different direction yeah. with that person. Now, also to, to, to build on that too, is like, I, I remember those, those happen a lot, especially for athletes, right? Um, what I mean, and coach G has always said this to me is like, Athletes aren't always going to be motivated. If you have, if you relied a hundred percent on motivation, then you know things. It, it, this would be easy. So there's a lot right. of days where I come in and I'm not motivated, right? And I'm just like, oh, I'm tired, right? But those are the kind of days, especially if you're competing. It doesn't doesn't matter what sport you are. If, if it's from something as easy as curling to something <laughs> as crazy as you know CrossFit or MMA, you're going to need those those push because when you get into the competition who cares what you feel like that day you got to show up right more, right whereas Absolutely. the average person they are not having to have that mental edge right you don't That's show right. up to the office and be like uh, i'm gonna push through. no they don't they don't have to do that so there's a big difference because i find like when you push those people past that point sometimes at least to the injuries Exactly. I'm not wanting to come back. It makes them think you're a dick sometimes and insensitive to the right. to how they're actually feeling. So I think totally. it's, it, you think it's it's very important for for in my opinion for coaches and trainers and to, to take that into account when you're working with somebody. Because I completely it, agree. Because if you don't, you're one. It makes as a business person as because if you're in fitness, I don't care if you work for a gym. You're you're a business person, right? You know what I mean. Um, so you have to take that into account with your clients. Completely agree, brother. <laughs> All good. Yeah, I just had to, uh, yeah, all good. I just make a little, uh, adjustment there. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Uh, so the other, um, so one of the things that you're really good at, and I mean, uh, as, as your student, I'm, I'm very proud of you for it is you achieved that Canadian powerlifting championship. Like, for me as an athlete and as a coach, I like when I'm working with somebody or, or I'm friends with people in the industry, I love to see them, I wouldn't say compete, but I love to see them pushing to achieve yeah. high, higher uh, standards. Because if we're going to be here preaching to people, hey, push past your limits because your body is capable of things that you never imagined. Um, so you have achieved that level of success in terms of powerlifting. How important to you is is it for you to be in good shape and to you know compete in certain things and actively pursue a higher level of fitness yourself? Because what I've seen in this industry is oftentimes, especially if the person is operating independently and they're they're in their own business, as success increases their own personal fitness and own personal goals get left behind. And then all of a sudden you're walking into a place where the coach himself doesn't look like he's taking care of himself. Right. So how right. important it for you is, is it for yourself and for other coaches to, to, you know, to almost practice what you preach? I think it's vitally important. You know, when you're on an air airplane and uh, 
I don't know if I would actually do this in this situation, but it's, the, the example is worth, worth stating. And the um, flight attendant says, in the event of an emergency, yeah. you put on your own oxygen mask before you put on the oxygen mask of anybody else. Yes. Right? M- basically saying you take care of yourself so that you have the ability to take care of other, other people. people. Now, in that airplane situation, I know that I put my daughter's mask on first and my son's mask on first before I did mine, but that's a separate issue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, the, the idea of taking care of yourself first so you can have the ability to take care of other people, I think, is, is, the, is the, the takeaway point. And so not everyone has to compete. It's fun to compete. You and I both love competition. Yeah. Um, for our own personal growth and to see what we can do. But it's important to stay sharp. It's important to set high standards for yourself so that you re- you're literally walking the talk. Yes. And so when someone um, that you're advising or coaching or mentoring comes to you or you're giving advice, that advice is coming from a place of authenticity because they know that, yeah, you know, Coach Ashton or Coach PK, they're dedicated to their craft of coaching and they also look after themselves. They're in the gym training, they're watching what they eat, they're they're taking care of all aspects of their of their health. And so I'm more inclined to to listen to what they have to say and to trust what they have to say. Hundred percent. Now like um, I think it's the West Side Barbell guys. They they were um I think they said this and it was in a counteraction to like, you know how like um you can read a book on how to squat. Yeah. But everything you learn, you learn underneath the bar. I think that's what the what Absolutely. They said. And I, yeah. I'm 100% on that wagon because I've, and I've witnessed it and I'm sure you've witnessed it too. There's a lot of people in the industry who, you know, they can tell you how to deadlift. Right. They couldn't do it themselves. Right. right. And, right. and, and like you said, that, affects your authenticity it affects your relationship with your clients because one of the bigger things and it's why i kind of gravitated away from football uh, like i love the sport nfl sundays you know me baltimore ravens yeah, I talk shit to every team on the planet um, <laughs> yeah i love football one of the things i that kind of pulled me away from the sport was that i would have these coaches these positional coaches telling me these things to do and i would look at them and I'd be like your fat ass couldn't do that, right? right. So right. why why should I listen to you about these things when I know that you can physically do it yourself? How how can the validity of the information be true, right? And yeah. then you know I look I started training martial arts and for there's there's obviously some outliers who don't don't do it, but for the most part, everyone who's instructing you has to have those physical capabilities. Yes. If they don't, it's very apparent really quickly. Like you can't flake a black belt. <clears throat> you cannot. No. Right. No. You, know you get mean? you get called out or exposed real fast in in, really, really in, fast. in martial arts. Yeah. Really fast. Like it's it's quite apparent when I like someone tells me they're I can tell a belt ranking when I roll with someone. Yeah. Just even with my eyes closed, I can be like, yes, this person's a purple belt. Well, this guy might be yeah. a black belt. This right. White belt, hundred percent. Like it, right. Uh, the one thing that I gravitate towards is people who can do things. And I think other people gravitate towards them too. And especially in this industry too, where, you know, you might be on your feet for eight hours a day, nine hours a day. You have to have a level of physical fitness or you won't be able to do it again the next day. Yeah, absolutely. Because in those eight hours, you're not just, you're not just sitting like this. No, you're picking up weights, you're racking weights, you're changing, changing uh, equipment, you're moving, you're, you're, at, you're very active during that Your time energy period. has to be high, too, because no one wants to come to their guy who's been working for eight hours. Looking like exactly. That, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's very important. So all the coaches out there who are not taking care of themselves, take goddamn care of yourself. It's damn important. Yeah, definitely. Like, and, yeah, I mean, you'll, for, for also for just to build on that, uh, psychological reasons, mental reasons, right? So you you, you take care of your body and you're also indirectly taking care of your mind. Yes. And so your, your mental outlook toward your craft, your mental outlook toward life, your, your sense of well-being, all of that improves when you, you take care of yourself physically. 
Yeah, and to 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 like top off that point, one of the things that um really stands out, at least with me, is like for years I've been working with certain people, and like we're only doing strength training, and then yeah, um, you know, to make things more interesting, we start you know doing pads or doing different variations of exercise, and then they're like, well, how the how the hell do you know how to do all this actually? And I'm like, well, you know, one, I'm a professional fighter. That's all. Yeah. But two, and it helps. They now all of a sudden they're like, they come to this one person who has all these different skill sets. And right. when, you know, fit, like I'll admit it to fitness can get boring at sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the standard lifts can get, you know, repetitive, boring. I don't want to do it. Um, but to for a coach to have these different skill sets and to be able to practice what they preach like for example i could never be interested in picking up 500 pounds like you do right i mean i look at the bar i'm just like you know fuck fuck that no right and and nor do you need to do that for to be great at your sport yeah but but my point being is when i see you do it i'm like Mm. shit i want to go deadlift now you know what right. I mean? <laughs> right. I, I, he's picking up five hundred. I got at least do two or three. You know, <laughs> uh, you, it just it, it motivates the the client and it motivates the and the coach too to continue to inspire people, right? Right. Through fitness, because that's what we're here right. to do, right? Absolutely. And then the words the words can go uh, only so far. You know, they they yes they have value, but your your actions and how you how you conduct yourself that. That's huge. And sometimes that speaks even greater volumes, right? Absolutely. Now with the, I, I don't know if it's in the rear view, it depends on where you live, but with the pandemic in the rear view, or at least mm. end in sight, I, I know me and you have talked about this before because there's a yeah. constant narrative that goes around that fitness is in trouble. Like fitness industry will never rebound. And I don't believe it. You don't believe it, but right. it's being crushed and and sort of disrespected by governments around the world, not just here in Canada. Like there's no, there's no attention here. Like anytime you get attention on fitness, it's, it's pretty much a negative review. Like people don't want to go back. And I don't see that. I see like you see a demand, but where does, where do we go from here? Like if we're a gym business, if we're a fitness professional, yoga instructor, you know, what do we have to look forward to in the next three to five years in terms of our industry? Fantastic question. I I think it's important for people to recognize that there will always be a need for people to take care of themselves physically and mentally. And saying that, that means there's an opportunity and probably more opportunity than ever for coaches to help people achieve that, to help people improve their physical well-being and their mental well-being. Now, are gyms dead? Are gyms uh, going to cease to exist? I don't believe that for a second. No. I believe that um, gyms may take different forms. I think gyms will have to evolve. But I think people are starving for connection. Yeah. And we saw that during the pandemic. And we're seeing it as, as the pandemic you know, yeah, comes to a close or at least, uh, you know, yeah, yes, let's call, let's call it that. Um, we're seeing people are going out to restaurants. They're going to get their, uh, they're going to personal care services and they're going to see their coach or their trainer to experience a in-person workout. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think that's going to be more important than ever because people want that human connection, especially in person. And they also want a virtual experience if and when another situation like this presents itself yeah. or, or you know, it might not even be the pandemic. It just might be another option for people. And so I think it's important for coaches to embrace in per- the in-person experience and to get proficient at delivering online. value through online tools, I whether think- it's zoom, whether it's um, straight online programming, you know, being, being good at that, I think is going to be good for, for all coaches. And you're absolutely right. I think the one the one biggest takeaway I think that in the next ten years we'll be probably happy about as fitness professionals is that the pandemic opened up a wide stream 
for everybody. Yeah. So like if like a lot of people before they were like really one dimensional where they just right. taught class, whatever class right. they taught, or they, you know, work with clients in person. Whereas now it actually will give you access to help more people. Exactly. Other services. The only problem is is <clears throat> don't be late to the party. <laughs> like the shift has happened already. That's right. Like you said there's um I personally, I'm not going to get into depth, it benefited greatly from the pandemic, not because of any crazy stuff, but ma- mainly because I, re- I refused to stop and I kept going and uh, I pivoted everything and I used those different tools and streams to help people and to bring people in. And it allowed me to reach a further mass than, you know, because there's only so many hours in a day that you can see people and work or teach classes, right? That's right. But now with all these other things that opened up in the pandemic in terms of online services, apps, different kind of things, you can reach a lot more people and give them You're the right. same amount of service uh, as before. And not only that, but increase your revenue as well. So. Couldn't, couldn't agree more, brother. And I think one of the most important things, takeaways that you just said is you refused to stop a lot of people just ended up quitting, and, and, and it's understandable. That this was an unprecedented time, yeah. time in our lives, and a lot of people were affected mentally um, in, a, in, a, in a terrible way. And so that, that's unfortunate. Um, but trying to like, – so not quitting, that's number one. Yeah. And adopting a mindset, a growth mindset, that there are possibilities. Even in the face of adversity and you know, things going wrong, there are possibilities. And so you take that – you, you take that mindset, you take that approach, you will find creative ways to, to, um, to solve problems and to thrive in, in, this, uh, in this new world. And like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I just want to use it as an example is mm-hmm. during the pandemic, you know, I ended up going for a run and tearing my Achilles and right. it was a complete accident. And then I had the surgery and I had it repaired and I was very lucky to get that taken care of really quickly. Right. Why I'm saying this story is because you have a pandemic where people are already staying at home and afraid to do these things. And then to add in conjunction, I have now in a cast. Yes. Immobile. And yes. With two small kids running around. The two small kids running around. (laughs) I had the surgery on a Thursday and I kid everybody not. I was back at clients houses, butt scooting downstairs to get to their gyms and their house and going to see them on the Monday right right after. And I was taking Uber because I couldn't drive, so that cut my margins almost completely. Yeah. But, but the point being is I refused to stop. And you maintain those relationships I, as that, well. That, that was where I was getting to is mm-hmm. one of the biggest things in a time like this is you lose touch with people. Right. And in this industry, when you lose touch with people, forget about the money and the business side. It, not everybody is motivated like me and you to show up to the gym. They right. need the constant, like the push. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym because I have an appointment with Ashton today. I'm going right. to go to the gym because I'm going to see PK today. I'm going to go to the gym because there's a class today. But when you lose touch with people, even if it's for two weeks, that could mm-hmm. lead to losing touch with people for six, eight months before yes. things get out of control and they're like, I need to go back to the gym. Right. Right. So I think it's important for everybody to know, like, even now that we're coming out of this, you can't stop. This is a a great time, especially if you're coming up, and even if you're a veteran of the business like yourself, to to do even more, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I and couldn't agree more. That that's that's the best way to end this crap. Just <laughs> just, just like that. But I'd just so, don't just don't stop, right? Don't stop. So thank you, Coach, for coming on. I appreciate everything. And you're such a wealth of knowledge. We'll definitely do this again. My pleasure, brother. With some more stuff to talk about. Because for those who don't know, Coach PK is, like I would always talk about OGs in martial art. PK is an OG in terms of the fitness industry. And so can you let people know where to find you if they want to come and train with you and to work with yeah you? for sure yeah so number one thanks for having me brother i appreciate it anytime uh, this is a, a fun conversation as always and i look forward to uh joining again at uh at a later date whenever whenever you need me yeah um people can find 
uh, strong athlete myself and coach G at, uh, um, strongathlete.com that's www.strong-athlete.com they can find us online on instagram at strong athlete and at team strong athlete um, we're on twitter we're on facebook we're on youtube and i think all the, all the, everything's at strong athlete <laughs> yes so some of my some of my younger athletes are saying yeah i need to get on tiktok yeah they tell me that too uh, I, I <laughs> So <laughs> Becky got on TikTok and like it's almost like she's addicted to it now. Like it's yeah. it's a very addictive platform, right? Uh, and I don't understand it yet, so I need to do it too. Like some people tell me get on TikTok. I'm like, yeah, I'm already on three things. I don't need yeah, more. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so exactly. get in touch with PK, especially if you're in the Mississauga area. That's where you guys are. But he, yes, I mean I've followed the guy. He's been everywhere. I've followed him. So he's amazing coach, amazing amazing person. Definitely go train with them. And also, don't forget to subscribe that thingy on the bottom there. Click on it. Yes. Don't be a punk. Don't listen and not subscribe. That's how we get stuff going here. So that's thank right. you, PK. Thank you so much again. And that's it for Grand My Gears, everybody. See you next time. Thank you, sir.